Hello and welcome to Monday Club. This is a little bit different. Apprentice One to One is taking over the show. Before we get into all of that, we've got a quick message from the sponsors that Sam is going to deliver right now. To go. Oh, I want to let you into a little secret. I hate doing paperwork because it means I don't get to spend time with my loved ones. Now, I use Payaka. Payaka makes running a service business super simple. Excuse me. They are a UK-based team who understand the construction industry. Now, you can create interactive quotes of drop-down menus, giving your customer the option to spec the install without you having to endlessly re-quote. I know, right? Now there's a new mobile app which allows you to quote, invoice, and also see any work you have scheduled. So get yourself organised. Get Payaka. Save yourself some time and spend more time with your loved ones. Just connect it to your account software like Sage or QuickBooks and you are good to go. Head over to payaka.com for your no-strings-free trial. High five. Boom. Payaka.com. WCED. They make... um, all types of enclosures, all types of switchgear that goes in the enclosures, um, plastic, metal, they've got the whole range. Go to wced.co.uk um, and have a look at their range. It is top quality stuff. It is not your usual Chineseium. It is really, really good stuff. wced.co.uk, super solid, like super solid beautiful powder coating and um everything they do is just high quality and they do all of the switch gear inside from afdds through to four pole main switches go and check them out wced.co.uk right we're back so like mark said um there's tears to podcasting right especially in the electrical industry and (laughs) Me being, well, all I'm saying is sometimes you have to let the peasants sit at the table. So <laughs> I brought on the Apprentice One to One podcast uh, with Mark, Jamie, and Craig, um, and apparently they've got something to talk about. Well, hopefully, a bit more than pizza, so we can have something to listen to this week. But what? <laughs> no record. No, no. There weren't one last week. What was it? Ruin my Monday. <laughs> Wait, there was one last week. There weren't. You mean this week? I don't yeah. know now. <laughs> I was very disappointed on Monday at work. In fact, it was massively inconvenient that there wasn't a Monday club. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what happened. So we've got a big announcement coming, right? And I had um, another podcast in between now and the next announcement. And it was an in-studio podcast and all this sort of stuff. But it got blown out last minute. And I didn't have time to um, reschedule and get a podcast out in time. So it wasn't technical difficulties. I just got let down at the last minute, and it is what happens. I will accept that as a reasonable excuse. Well, but let's know. let's have it right. Monday Club is the biggest electrical podcast there is out there. The back catalogue that you and your co-creator, Mr. Howell, have put together, and everyone else who's ever appeared on it is unbelievable. But you have been in my ear for about two months begging to come on the Apprentice One to One podcast. Matt, please, can I come on and speak with Jamie and Craig? You are so much better at podcasting than I am. I want to come and talk to you. Unfortunately, we all voted and the answer was no. So you've invited Mark, us onto your show instead. Mark, can you say show? Sure. 
Sure. <laughs> sure. That's it. That's how you can never be better than me at podcasting because you can't say certain words properly. Jeez, says the man who lives in France. Anyway, you were right. We do have a podcast that we want to bring to your show. It is about training in the electrical industry. You've been through that recently. We want to talk about apprenticeship training, adult retrainee training, and your experiences in a college quite recently. We've been chatting over on Apprentice One to One about this for a few weeks. You weren't bothered watching. We know that. So you said to me when we first started doing it, we could have a go and do our little bit, and then you would come on and tell everyone what the problem is with electrical training. So we're here to learn from you. Bear with me. <laughs> He's going to get his regs book. Before he gets back, how are you two doing anyway? How are you, Jamie? They'll cut this anyway. There's no point us talking. Nah, he, he can't be asked to edit. So how are you know. doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm sweating in here again. Uh, that is my fault. I saw your little video from earlier of the, the dog giving you a nice treat. Yeah, got this all set up on the dog vomit on the router, which was nice. So, yeah, got a good job. Got that done an hour in advance because it just walked in and vomed all over the router, which nice. was not great. But I managed to mop it all up. How are you doing, question, I'm good, thank you. The question really is, and what smells worse, the dog sec, or the fact that you've got old stale beer that's probably not been washed for a while when that shit? I, I've been sick of it that many times. You can't smell the dog sick, so we're all right. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I've been and... So, Mark, you want to talk about training? Yes. My experience. So, <laughs> as people know by now, I went back to um, went back to college to do my 18th edition. Um, bit of an eye opener for me. So, the last time I touched a textbook or even a regs book was all the way back when I'd done. I was an adult trainee as well, so. I didn't I didn't come into to the electrical industry in the traditional way. I actually I think I was 23 when I done it, maybe 22. So I was all I'd already had a career before and I wanted to retrain. So I I I remember I remember it so clearly. I looked I was looking up where I could go and become an electrician and Bromley College was the nearest one to me. So I drove to Bromley College and I remember going in there just thinking, I'm going to be the oldest person. And I was in the queue waiting to see the lecturer sitting at a desk. And I was clearly the oldest person in that queue. And I finally got, got to the desk. I sat down and he said, he's like, oh, so what qualifications have you got? And I was like, he said, I'm going to be really honest with you. I've got no qualifications from school. I didn't do them. The ones I did do ain't worth talking about. Um, <clears throat> but I've done this. I've done that. I'm not stupid. Um, I want to do the course. And he was like, okay, I'll take a chance on you. Shook my hand and I was on the course. I didn't have to do the, the like the introductory year, you know, like, because when I was doing it, there was the first year, which is like when, when you come straight out of school, you do a year of college and then you do your level two. So it was almost like a level one, if you like, <clears throat> and then you done your, your, uh, and then you done your level three. So, I went straight onto the level two bit. Um, that was two. That was one year, and then I done the level three, which was two years. And then obviously there's a bit of time between level three and getting your gold card, which was about it's about eight months, I think it was. So all in all, it was about four years I done at college. It was a it was the actual proper apprenticeship route that I done. 
but I did it without an apprentice. I'd done a self-funded proper apprenticeship route. So it in the package was the 2330, the uh, MVQ level three, the AM2, and uh, the 17th edition all wrapped up um, in one course. So I was quite lucky um, and I've done that. So since then, I've never touched a textbook since. I've got my I've got my gold card. I call it the Willy Wonka's golden ticket because <laughs> the second you've got your gold card, you can walk on any site and be, pretend to be an electrician because that's essentially what you do for the first five years. You guess your way through because at that point, you've not been exposed to enough of the different things in the industry to be able to even... You know, like you walk in and one day you've got to do a BMS panel. The next day you've got to go and do, uh, I don't know, tubing an intake room. The next day you've got to go and put up 300 light fittings. You're just not exposed to that level of that depth of work when you come out. So you guess your way through a lot of it. Um, you do it in five days now. You can do it in five days now, mate. You should have waited. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and uh, so I've done all that. Um, and yeah, so... I went back to do my 18th edition. I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And obviously, because I want to go out on my own, I want to be a bit more credible to people. When you have that initial conversation, oh, have you done your 18th? And you go, no, mate, no, I haven't. You kind of fall into a category of person that, um, you, you kind of fall into a category of person that's not really put much effort into their, into their, their trade, if you like, you might be the best electrician in the world, but you're always going to be, there's always a bit of a stigma around someone who's not kept up to date. I feel, I just feel that. Is this you admitting that you should have been doing CPD all along? He's doing the 18th CPD. In the, in, in, see, this is where I disagree. CPD in the industry is a joke. It's a full on joke because it's, oh, um, so you go, you go for your, your yearly review, whether it's with the IET, NAPIT, uh, for NIC, and they go, um, can you show me a log of your um, your CPD? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I can. Oh, look, here's, a, here's an instruction from a light bulb that I installed. Yeah, I read that. Like, oh, yeah, well, what the sentence three say? <laughs> Don't worry about it, mate, I read it. Do you know what I mean? That is, the, that is the depth of CPD. Oh, I listened to the Monday Club podcast where Sam talked about pooing in the woods. Oh, okay, that's acceptable that, too. That's definitely yeah. CPD, that. And and they so CPD in the electrical sense is nonsense. But in the professional sense, you are right. I suppose the 18th is a CPD, isn't it? Yeah, well, for content, you know, if it's continuing your professional development, then I guess for lots of people, their professional development is the wiring regs, their inspection and testing, their because that's what's actually enhancing your career is the way that I view it. I agree with you that lots of people Mickey Mouse around it and skim and scam over things. And it's interesting when you talk about the five years of learning and experience, because I think, especially commercially, that's where lots of people fall into traps and they come in and they go, right, you go and do tube. I'm great at tube. I do tube for the next 20 years. And I think tube's an absolute art form for those who do it immaculately. But if that's all you ever do and you just go job to job to job to job, tube, 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 the, the professional development and the skills and the skill fade, I guess, is probably massive over the course of a year of actually then sparking, if you like, in this whole sense of the word. 
See, I said this a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, like mirroring what you're saying there. When you come out and you've got a gold card compared to someone who's done like a domestic installer type route and they a house basher, you come out of a gold card, you are the cream because you've had a better apprenticeship all round than someone who's just done house bashing. Not true. But, Not but true. As you go on and you get stuck in the commercial, the commercial bollocks where all you're doing is slinging in tube and slinging in containment, your depth of knowledge starts getting overtaken by those who who probably aren't as cream as you when you come out of college. And then boom, before you know it, you're a divvy that's only ever done containment. And when it comes to when it comes to wiring the containment, you get a little bit flustered. Or there's someone someone throws you a curveball and goes, um, I don't know. What is something? Oh, can you do, do some? Can BMS you fault find a circuit today? Or yeah, and all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't do that, mate. Like, I was on a job, and when I was very early on, I was I was working on a job up in Shoreditch, and it was a school in Shoreditch, and it was absolutely flooded. There's a gold card I was working with. He's a young lad, and I go, to, and it's the first time I ever took off. I had to strip out a grid switch. Had like five, four switches in it, and I took it off, and it was all red. And I was like, "Well, I really don't know what's going on here. <laughs> like, what's this? What is this witchcraft here?" So I said to him, "He goes, oh, I don't really do light switches." <laughs> Fuck you! <What? laughs> I got some books delivered a few years ago, right? And I went to pick them up from whatever it is at the local depot. And I walked, and there's a lad there that I did my apprenticeship with. He's in the same year as Matt, but he worked for a different firm that I'd moved to. Uh, I made him. His name was nickname was Pona because he won't watch this because he's shit. And um, <laughs> he genuinely told me he, he thinks it himself. Right, he got a gold card every single site he went on. Do you know what his job was? Go on. He was a storeman. He got made the storeman when he was an apprentice because he was a bit shit. And all the way through his apprenticeship, he was a storeman. He could stack twenty mil glands and couplers and things, but he got a gold card. You know what I mean? Because the the firm still just pushed it through. <laughs> so not everyone's got a gold card. He's he's golden. But, no, but, but yeah, what, but no, it does happen. You get, you do get that one trick pony, literally, and, and it's what happens. And it is, and it is a thing. And people get, it's so easy with commercial because it's, you know, most of the commercial work is containment. Let's be honest. When you're doing commercial industrial work, a load of it's containment. So you get in, you smash out the containment section, and then you just phone up and get another job for the, for another bit of containment. And you could go on your whole career doing that. And, and <laughs> go on, mate. I was going to say, you definitely can. I guess it depends where you are and who you're doing, though, because like, we're working out, like, well, Mark does, you guys do the whole thing start to finish, don't you? So you've got to have that kind of all around. And the guys that we put out on jobs, they go on the job and they're there from start to finish. So they're going all the way through from initial strip out to site temps to containment and first fix to all the way to testing and certifying at the end of the job over a period of time. But so I guess for people, it's about them finding what one they want. Some people will want to do containment and that'll be where they want to sit and that's cool. Other people will want to do the round session. It's, I guess it's hard to find what, for me, it's hard to define what is an electrician because if someone does do containment for the rest of their life and they're a master at that, somebody else can't do that job. If here's they the, thing about, here's the thing about being a master at containment. It's a fucking fallacy, right? <laughs> that video yeah. earlier the week could disagree with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it, but listen, being a master at containment is not 
a lifetime craft. It's just that simple. One, to do to do the highest level millimeter perfect containment, and I've done it. Um, I wasn't very good at it because doing millimeter perfect is just not my bag. But I've done it, and it's really satisfying. It's really rewarding. But the reality is, high level containment is easy. <laughs> I mean, these these days they want all the the pre made stuff as well, don't they? I, I did that little video on cutting some containment, and everyone was messaging me like, "Oh, you can't do that on site anymore. They'll make you take it out and put the yeah, yeah but there's companies, there's companies now that if you go on a, a bit of unistruct that's twelve rods long, a bit of rod that's thirteen rods long, they'll literally make it up into trapezes for you. Yeah. They'll send it to certain sections. I know a really good company, not them do it. So you don't have to yeah. cut anymore. They'll just send you lumps of it. And yeah, we together. get we get chain stuff now that has the prefabs for the clips and things to go on the bottom of them. So you just you can even down. get you can even get custom uh, custom bends. So you know you get them digital um, calipers, tractor rulers. Yeah, yeah. I worked on um, a building that had no right angles and no forty five degrees. It was all like it was purposely built like that. It's built in the seventies when everyone was off their nut. Anyway. <laughs> You had to use one of them to get the correct angle, write down the angle, send it off, and two days later, a prefab bend will come set at that <laughs> angle. That is what prefab's for, because I don't want to fuck around doing that. <laughs> Definitely not. But I could do it, but then they started moaning, oh, like, the other geezers can't do it and stuff. Forget that. It is easy to do good. To uh, So if you're talking about the primo primo like um containment okay that's still easy but most jobs will accept around 50 percent effort containment will did be accepted you see on that most video jobs. of all the containment that ended up on the floor i think it was you was it you who said yeah. it first and, and that's what i'm saying that is like the containment the containment masters is a fallacy the only way you become a valuable electrician is if you can throw in containment at 100 miles an hour and become like some super geezer that throws it in, or you become a decent all-round electrician that can be deployed on any site and be effective. Do you know what that's called? You don't hear it said anymore. Does anyone know the word for that? Go on. Does anyone know? Because you've never seen it anymore. Do you remember the word called time served? That's not... Yeah, experienced and time served. All your courses in the world aren't worth fucking shit unless you're experienced and time served in this game. What and does that time what like? Well, when I was a lad, it was a phrase. It was just a thing. It, it had like this aurora around. It had a meaning of all its own, but it doesn't seem to be about anymore. Yeah, but you time served your doesn't... card until you'd been out in the field two years after qualifying. Back, yeah, back in the day. that's what it used to be because that's what an improver was originally, wasn't it? Yeah. That period between finishing college. And waiting to be given your gold card or waiting to be allowed to get your gold card or anything like that that section was you as an improver wasn't it that period of time is what you was labeled as an imp that's my understanding i might be wrong I think time yeah. served means you've been there long enough to get fucked around by the old boys enough to know what you're doing simple as that so if you don't put the time in you don't get the results you don't get that that thing see i at the end of um when I when I so I I had to bounce around. I'd done a bit of house bashing. I like I'd done um, Hounslow Homes contract, which was chaos. It was rewiring <laughs> occupied houses in surface trunking. 
<laughs> oh. Sticky back as well. Sticky back oh. trunking. Like we do we do a three bed house in in a day and a half. Classic. I think <laughs> the social housing though, that's still fairly common, isn't it? Yeah. Because they don't want you damaging and ripping the walls down. They want it in safe and quick and moving yeah. on to the next. So I did that and then I did a lot. Then I, I really like doing containment at the beginning, as does everyone, because it's like playing with a big Meccano set. Um, it's quite rewarding. You can throw like, I don't know, 20 metres in and you look, look how much I've done. Which reality is, sight, not that difficult. Um, so, yeah, getting back to the original point, I went back to college to do my 18th edition. Now, I got very kindly recommended the Electrical Academy by Napit. Um, and I went down there and let me tell you, what a facility. Um, great people, really great people. Um, big shout out to Kev and Lana, or Lani, I think her name was. Brilliant people, um, brilliant course. Kev's depth, depth of knowledge is phenomenal. Um, he really knows his stuff. But more importantly about what they're doing there is he actually cares and he's not just doing it because it's his academy and he's just knocking it out. He's doing it because he genuinely loves the trade. He has a deep respect and understanding for all aspects of the trade, knows the book inside and out, um, and just an all-round, like, wholesome environment to go and learn in. Now, I'm a bit dumb. Um, I don't... And I'm a bit of a chancer. So the whole thing was quite difficult for me. Um, and, you know, I had to rely on my luck and my ability to blag things to get my 18th. Um, but, yeah, that the whole thing was a real eye-opener. Now, a lot of people say the 18th is just a money-making thing, make you buy a book every now and then. It's not. What it, what, the value I saw in doing the 18th is it familiarizes you in a very subtle way with the regs you're not listen there's very few people on this planet that learn the regs book inside and out and go bam chapter fucking 14 reg 141144 mark can because he's got an elongated head so he's got an extra he's got an extra lobe in that massive forehead that <laughs> that is just for regs. <laughs> Unless you are teaching it every day, you can't ever get to that level. It's impossible. The size of that book is stupid. No you don't want to do that either, do you? Because you just there's no point in learning information that's written down. It's a mom's game. <laughs> you don't need to do that. It's in a book for a reason, so you don't really have funny. to remember it. So when it changes, you can read it from the new book. Don't memorise it. Well, that, that course teaches you to navigate the book at the end of the day, doesn't it? That's but it does more fun. than that. It does more than that. It allows you... It, it's a very clever course. The idea of learning to navigate the book and pick out certain things in the book is a very clever tool to teach people for um, understanding the regs, how they're set out, and what and really familiarising yourself with the regs book because it can be daunting. It's like... 500 pages of nonsense really and written in a in a real dickhead way it's written by dickheads to be dickheads but the course does it is... in the best days as well that written by dickheads yeah but it is and do you know who joe's worse than the book go on oh uh, is the course that is written 
by some toffee-nosed twat. <laughs> I've like I've been to I've been to university and everything like that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna even ask the question in a dickhead way. Do you know what I mean? Like just just ask the question straight. We're the kids who fucked about at school. Didn't um didn't apply ourselves. Weren't dumb, but fucked about at school, right? Why have you got to... And also, once we've done our qualifications, yeah, once we've done our qualifications, we're like, that's it, we're done. I never have to... I've got a trade, um, ticketed up for life. And then all of a sudden, a new edition comes around, you've got, you've got to get your, your, your ticket for that. So you're already a bit like, the pressure's on. I don't want to be... I don't... Like, I've got to pass it. It's cost me a thousand pounds because I've got to take basically a week off work, four hundred quid for the course, whatever. It's it's cost me a thousand pounds to do. Um, I've got to pass it first time. You're really going into it, not nervous, but like the pressure's on, and then they're going to ask you these questions in a dickhead way. The format is written by a dickhead to trick dumb people like us. It's already hard enough. <laughs> It's already hard it, enough. It, it's legalese. It has to be written like that. All regulations are written in that format. Dude, the they, that's books. fine. But don't write the don't write the question. What should you not do if you didn't do this? Like, <laughs> why don't you just write it like like a normal person? Oh, um, where's regulation fourteen point four four? It's like, just exercise. And, it's like going for a run. It's it's there to train your brain to make your brain work to read it properly. What does not because it in does not life, need to do that. Don't questions, need to do that. People ask questions like that in real life. I used to think the same, Sam. I used to think exactly the same, but it turns out in real life, listening to a question, thinking about it, and then answering is a, is a life skill. And I used to think the same as you, but the more you get involved with people directly, like Mongol public people who tell you no shit, you've got to listen to what they're saying because they'll tell you stuff wrong. You've got to dissect and go back to them. How about this then, Jamie? You're wrong. <laughs> well, the, point well, the, regs, the point of the regs is to be a working knowledge of what you need to be able to do it in a safe and effective manner, isn't it? And that's what you need to be able yeah, to demonstrate your understanding and come out with at the end of it. Nah, see, this, this is why you're wrong, right? <laughs> it's this simple. Why, why are you wrong next? Listen, it's simple. Electricians install to the rule of thumb. When we don't know how to install to the rule of thumb, we ask Mark. If Mark's not available, <laughs> then we go to the book and we find out that way. Yeah, but rule of thumb is really dangerous. Like, existent as well. The fact, like, because I watch this and I listen to it and I'm not a regs geek and I'm not perfect in any means. We all do things by a certain extent, but the amount of time you're seeing people going and saying, well, like, talking about putting a ring in, do we not think at times, and someone said this to me the other day and it made me giggle, do we not think at times it's convenient that to put a ring circuit in the UK, it's exactly one drum of cable and you can put whatever you want on it and it will always be perfectly fine. Even though the minute you step over 50 metres and run a cable, you normally need to size up because of voltage drop, but no one ever checks it. Do we not think that's convenient as a rule of thumb? Yeah, it's sweet. <laughs> What's the problem? What's the problem? <laughs> The Gucci jobs. Nothing. You start with a quarter of a reel and then you left them to the new one. The what? Gucci but I don't jobs. understand what the problem is. Because you don't make the money out of the crap jobs like that. Like a hot tub, you've got to calculate it. People will pay more for that. Slapping a ring main is. is Guess a, what? Is you a don't have to calculate a hot tub, and here's why. <laughs> and this is the truth. Because it don't matter. Like, we're telling the truth here. 
You tell me why you need to calculate a hot tub. Because it's 600 metres down the end of the garden. And if it's not, do you still need to calculate it? Well, if it's 559, I'd still bother. <laughs> well, officially, yes, because now within your amendment two that you've done, you've got to start providing handover packs to clients with your calculations in it. I'll go, what I'd say at college, yeah, and this is what you said. Um, and then what? I'd say, and then what? what? You're going to do in court. What will you do in court? If you have to go to court and you're going to get sued, you're going to get bankrupted. Oh, see, this is that, this is that bullshit. This is that E5 bullshit I'm not having. No. Who I'm goes to court? <laughs> I, I, I said this on trade as well. It's HSE, HSE used to love going after companies and punishing companies, and now they like going after individuals. And if you Google it and keep your eye on it, Listen, my mate burnt down a house. He left a he left a fire cover <laughs> off of off of a halogen downlight. Put a, a insulation back over it. Burnt down the house. Yeah. So he paid him. He paid him thirty five grand and never heard nothing else. Listen, this is for a, me. This it's is not thing. about court. For me, it's about walking away knowing that you're happy with what you've put in is right. safe and that's years ago. For me, that's my opinion. Years ago, my mum and dad <laughs> bought a hot tub. Right, put it in their house. Yeah, I should use it outside. Right. Yeah, outside. And I was like, right, sweet. They was like, oh, I need you to wire it up. Didn't know what I was doing. So I just got a rotary isolator, banged it on the wall, bit of armoured straight to it. I think it's like 16 mil armoured or something. Straight to it. And then boom, a bit of um a bit the other bit of armoured straight out into the into the thing. Guess what? Never had a problem. Every two, three, nine, one course I do, first yeah, half an hour. With permission, I make and watch the David Savory video, The Unfortunate Death of Harvey Terrell. And if everyone who's a spark should watch that, and it'll make you think differently about your design and your choices when you're doing work. I don't think it... you're wrong, but I do think there is a... I do think the rule of thumb generally works out well. Yeah, I know I know what you're saying, Sam. Like, if you put in a hot tub straight outside someone's back yeah. door and the fuse box is backing onto it, it's not a great run. You're going through no insulation or anything, and you know the rating of the hot tub. You probably don't need to go to the extent of getting your regs out and running all the calculations. But the sooner you're sticking it on an earth electrode somewhere, or you're 20 to 30 meters into someone's garden, definitely need to start doing that. You can't just go chucking 16 mil steel wire armoring on all of them, looking at the price of copper anyway. This is what I would do. Well, I nicked it. I nicked it anyway. So <laughs> listen, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't choose it because I was like, this would be safe. I was like, found it, found Why's it. Why's it gone? Why's the ultimate ninety-five mil? Just, it just is all right. <laughs> found it. That was it. And because uh, the other thing is, this is this is typical. My this is typical. My dad spent four grand on a hot tub, and I say, well, it's probably be about two hundred quid for the bits and pieces to do it right. Nah, I ain't paying that. That's typical that. every fucking member of the public on earth. That's my dad. I'm like, Dad, you just spent four... Yeah, well, I've spent four grand. I, I ain't spending another 200 quid. That weren't budgeted for. Yeah, but, like, you just sold your house. You've got plenty of dough. Don't worry about it. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Can't you nick some from work? Well, yeah, I suppose I can. So that was it. Is it cheaper if I don't have an RCD? <laughs> RCD? What do you need that for? Well, why is that 60 quid? And so I had to put on like little, I did put on the RCD um, and all that. But yeah, to be honest with you, a four grand hot tub, if you get in it and you get electrocuted because something's failed, it's a hot tub's fault, not yours. Four grand. That's, that's a faith. story and he's sticking to it. <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So don't go to Sam's for a hot tub. 
<laughs> just, just so everyone's aware, yeah, this is not proper electrical advice nor legal advice. Please seek professional help of a qualified, time-served electrician. Not when, called Sam. <laughs> when you when you were on your eggs cast, Sam, was everyone else electricians? So interestingly, I don't think many of them were. I, the electrician by the definitive standard, I think um, there was one apprentice guy. Um, there's in a the trade, guy in our industry. Yeah, I think most of them were like industry um, in the industry. Uh, no, it wasn't like a postman doing it or something. Um, mm. But it's interesting you say that. My cousin is a maintenance engineer, um, so basically changes light bulbs and shit. But he's got his 17th. He went and done that. His company put him on the 17th. They needed to I, have someone on the 17th. And I, I work for a company, and I sat on that regs course I've done online. I've done a regs course online, by the way, um, for free. I sound there. There was a company I worked for, a big aggregates firm, and they thought by sending people on the 18th edition would render them completely umbrellaed from any legal action if they did electrical work. And I used to say, no, it's, not, it's nothing to do with electrical work, and they just used to think that was okay. And a lot of firms do think like that. I, I think I think that is the case with with uh, his one. I think they like well, if he's got if he's done his 17th, we're sweet. Yeah, that's really. That's really, really stupid. Really, and he's really probably stupid. like, he's probably saying, "Can I go to safe our social cost?" To go, nah, you've got your whatever it is edition. That's it. <laughs> We're done. Fuck you. <laughs> so, how do we get it to balance morning? Because I get remarks when we've maybe seen a poster to remarks about people that are not trade specific on some of these training courses. How do you start to monitor that and control it in a manner which lets it do it? And I guess, how do you? then do i'm not going to use the term cpd but how do you then start to make sure everybody's developing properly in a manner they should to so, stop some of these gaps so after after i'd done it and i'd put it off for so long um i was absolutely gassed up about it i was like it's so good i'm so pleased i did it i remember phoning because a big shout out to craig here um i did phone him up one night basically crying that i'm not going to pass it I'm a, I'm an absolute dunce. I've got too much going on in my life. <laughs> I just can't do it. And he was like, listen, do this, do this, do this. And so, yeah, big shout out to you, Craig. Um, however, what I will say is there is a massive problem in the electrical industry that I don't think is ever addressed properly. Um, and it resonates across every single aspect of it. There is no sort of oversight electrical industry oversight in terms of one body that is that sort of correlates and navigates the information flowing in and out of the industry and no one does that very well <laughs> in terms of the training now let's be fair the whoever's in i don't know the ins and outs of all this stuff but whoever's in charge of training and sorting out a few things like sorting out the grading system for the uh, ECS. That's all been that's all getting sorted out quite nicely at the moment. The improver card's gone. I, um, the uh, what do they call it? Experienced worker card can only be kept for eighteen months now, and you can't reapply. Mm. So that sort of stops. So you can either be a labourer or a gold card now, unless you're like a legacy guy. And you've got an experienced worker card. You've got 18 months to level up and get your gold card through experienced worker route. That's it now. The improver card's <coughs> dead. The um, electrician's mate type card is dead. And it's finally, 
Like a lot of people must have been working behind the scenes to get these things over the line. Same with um, the uh, the five day courses. They're pretty much done now, aren't they? All these short did, courses did, are done now. Did they do that because they wanted to, or because the trade would say it's fucking embarrassing now? What was the motive behind that? Or do we not care now? Well, what I'm saying is, these things are happening, but there's still not an industry oversight that manages this sort of stuff from the top down, like a central body. And even if there was, I don't have much faith in it. Look at the look at the JIB, <laughs> for instance, right? They're not really anything other than arbitrators for a conversation between um, the ECA, the Electrical Contractors Association, so the group of companies, and Unite the Union, the um, the workers on the ground. All the JRB are is the United Nations. They sort it out, and then they enforce the rules. Not enforce them, but they regulate the industry via a set of rules agreed upon by the two parties. That's all well, the JRB well, do. The parties, because the, the ECA don't support, don't represent everyone, do they? So no, the big boys get to play. But generally, that is your mainstay staple, what the JRB is. They're 20 years behind. They've only just, literally, in the last two years, you can check your gold card against the um, against their database. Before that, you had to be a partner of the JRB to be able to log on to the database and check that someone who's come onto your, onto your site, had, um, their, their, their number on their card could be checked on their site to see if it's valid or not. And stuff like that. They're so far behind. And they're planning now to put things into place in 20 years' time. We ain't got 20 years for you to do shit like that. And there's all these little things going on. But if there was a one funnel for the for training, for an industry oversight, I think we would see a lot better results and a lot more cohesiveness in the outcome of what we want for the industry. I, and I don't disagree with you, but money is king in this situation, and that's the issue, isn't it? Because we had all this, didn't we, with the was it the e, the EAS scheme coming in, so you now couldn't be NAPA or NIC unless you got an MVQ within two years and whatever else. And now you're finding out that people are still coming on with a short course entry because they're offering separate MVQs that are not actually gold cardable MVQs to allow you to be registered with them. That means that they get to make money for you're doing their MVQ instead of the actual MVQ. But well, that's just... because there's no oversight. Because there's no there's no one police in the industry. It's left up to these little these little what are they are they called quangos? Is that what they are? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. so. Like these little organisations to sort of self govern, and they're like, don't worry about that. We'll say this, bush. And there's like no one going. Hold on, that's not right. That's not what we agreed on. You're taking a piss. No. Well, they... well part P's the same. It part P's just a lot of people marking their own homework and paying someone else money for it. That's a quango, isn't it? Is Plot P even a thing anymore? To mark your own homework. Yeah, Quango's is not oh. about it. It's just the names fall out of fashion. Well, Part P is the building regs, isn't it? So you still have to comply with the building regs if you're doing domestic installation work for Part P. That's what that's what it is. It's a building regs element. It's not necessarily a sparking qualification, but it got transformed into being if you weren't the electrical part of the building regs, you could then be an electrician. That's what If you're watching part. part P, by the way. <laughs> Fucking prick. But I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but hold Fucking on. Fucking hate it. Why? Because because it because it I've said this on the podcast before. I said on those podcasts. Go back through all the records 
that's where the industry fell to bits. And anyone challenge me on that, I'll fucking take to the cleaners. That's when they fucking they said, oh, I'm going to make this part pee. Everyone's been able to say, because I think a girl died in the bath, was it? I think a, I think a woman died in the bath. Daughter of Le- someone related to like an that. MP died. Yeah, politician. So because someone who weren't black and poor was dying, yeah, we have a we have a quick reaction, unlike like your grandfathers and stuff. So when middle class white people start dying, there's a lot more faster reaction. So part P got rammed in. Er, pay us money, mark your own homework, and we'll let loads of fucking dickheads in who used to be, I don't know, decorators or something. Go it's back. Been demonetized. Um, <laughs> How many back. people do you think you just offended? And that minute? I don't know. Decorators <laughs> offended anyway. But that's honestly, I it's sealed in my memory because I remember when it came in thinking. This is great. They're going to finally make us like Corga. Then I sat there getting shat on for three years thinking they just totally fucked my trade up. It was totally the birth of the domestic installer, wasn't it? That's what... Yeah, and do you know what that the... is? The NIC and NAPIT, don't, yeah. and they'll, they'll hide it as much as they can. They'll hide all that, but it, it happened. I was there. I was on yeah, a lot of drugs at the time, but it was there. I remember it well. Do you not but... think, do you not think in, like, if we're going to... To put a positive spin on what's happening at the moment, do you think that the industry is moving in the right direction at the moment? I yeah, do, yeah, but it was ten years ago when Part P came out. It was already solid training. Was it though? Just because you shit on the carpet, don't mean you get praise when you clean it up, do you? <laughs> I think there's a lot of different pe- a lot of different people in those organisations now who are making those changes. So these are like different people to a large degree who made all those. Yeah, yeah. Go, go wrong. Now, that is the case. Now it's now it's a, a different group of people. They are trying. I think they should acknowledge some of the issues that happened before and own up to them and say, you know, we're sorry about that and we're trying to help clean it up. We're going to carry some of the weight at the expense of that as well. And like you said, Sam, you're that overarching one person. You only have to look at how the regs are written. JFL 64, it's all these different people all piling together to input into those regs. The electrical industry is very much like that as a whole, but there's no coming together from that top table to do any of that. And do you know what I think as well? I think the top table is, of these organisations at the moment, is very, listen, a lot of good work's going on. I'm not going to take it away. But I have experienced firsthand, and so has probably everyone here, there is doors opened to certain people because they are members to to certain organisations. And then the doors open. There is no industry. There's no communication across the industry to any all comers. It's only those who pay their dues mm. to these organisations. They're not. They don't care about anything outside of their organisation. So, the ECA, for instance, that unless you're a member, they ain't talking to you. So in America, um, they call that lobbying, won't they? It's the same as lobbying in America that the people yeah, who pay the money get like to the JIB. If you've ever said anything negative about the JOB, they ain't talking to you. And I think that is a really antiquated mindset. And I don't think it's... Listen, they can do whatever they want. They're private organisations. And they can have whatever rules they want to make their to make their thing work how they want it to. But the reality is they are in, this, they're in a position of responsibility for our industry and should communicate and should have conversations and should include the opinion of everyone because if they're making policy for our industry we should all have a a um an input make a stand yeah. then. don't don't join a scheme I, i'm not in any of the schemes and i will do domestic work in people's asses at now and then i'm not in a scheme take me to court prove i'm not competent 
Yeah, and I, I'll say that out loud. I'm not in a scheme. I'm not joining the scheme. I do work. I do it properly. I do it to the regs. I test and certify it. Put me in court. Prove I'm not competent. Because at the end of the day, Part P notifications are the responsibility of the homeowner, not the electrician. So don't pay your money. They'll soon fucking start talking to you then and listening to you. I know I'm on a rail strike. See you later. <laughs> I think industry is moving the right way. I think we need to have more opportunities of jobs for apprentices coming in. I think that's a huge element that we need to get better at because we are going to have in the next five or 10 years a gap of all the old boys sort of retiring and moving on and not have the trained workforce coming through to be able to pick up some of that skill force. So for me... I mean to have. <laughs> well, this, this takes me on to another, um, another point, actually, is... There is a bit of a skill shortage at the moment. Not, I know, like, we're all friends with Mr. Neil Bridgman, um, and we were having a conversation the other day um, where he's, like, to tell you openly, struggling to find decent, competent sparks to do specific type of work on his railway. Now, Craig, you're in the same sort of position where you're finding it very difficult to find decent guys that you can deploy into situations and be able to let them get on with it and recently um where i've been <coughs> sort of trying to transition to doing my my own stuff it's not it's not a overnight thing so last week i had to have a week off just because of injuries and just it's been an absolute slog for quite a while so i had a week off to sort of recuperate and i spent a whole day um, going through my Excel spreadsheet and what I did was I added another 25 30 companies to it and I literally just went through and letting people in my local area companies who whether they've done domestic um, commercial whatever just letting them know I am a local spark um, I've got my 18th and my gold card um, I've got all my tools and I've got my own transport. I'm available um, and I'm in your area and I'm happy to travel this far. This week, and I swear to God, this week I've had about eight phone calls from companies offering me work and then bidding to get me to leave the job I'm at now to go to do their job. Like, I'm being offered silly money. Where are you at? Where are you at, Sam? You're down south, aren't you? Yeah, down south, Kent. Um, so Margate area. The same. I, I keep, I'll, I just as a hobby, I keep me here to the ground on what jobs are going. Yeah, and what the rate is and all that kind of thing. Because I'm fucking boring. I have been inundated this week. It's bonkers. It's absolutely crazy. People are, people can't get people on jobs. There's loads of work out there, which makes you wonder why there's still people on Facebook going, "Oh, can anyone give me a start? I'm new." Mate, at the moment, if you're sitting there. I'm waiting for a WhatsApp group to send you a message with a job local, or if you're um, if you're if you're going on Facebook groups or anything like that, you're waiting for a phone call from an agency or or, or a text from an agency. You are mental. I'm yeah. being offered day rates eight till four, two hundred and fifty plus. You've got to go and get them, and you that shows winning. Get out there and ring people like you do. Just you get on the front off. foot. I. Listen, I don't. A while ago, maybe Mark, Mark could tell you, maybe a year ago, I decided that I was going to be my own agency. I'm done. I'm done dealing with agencies. Oh, I've, always been, 
I'm like, <laughs> listen, I've got a lot of respect for some agencies. I've got a lot of hate for other agencies. I spent a long time fighting agencies and letting them know who's boss for a while. And yeah, I had a bit of a rep. But the reality is... You don't say. <laughs> the reality is you actually don't need agencies. If you do the very simple thing of an Excel spreadsheet, be a bit confident on the phone, be a bit confident in your skills, you simply don't need an agency. It's you know that easy. You know the ones that find you work... Is that a true? Am I right thinking a Trish Nation would find you work and place you and then you could go direct? Yeah, now they just seem to want to get you on Umbrella Company. Yeah, all those ones that want to get in an Umbrella Company, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, proper people that find people with the right skill to fill a job, they're good agencies, but they are few that's not a thing. Between. That's not a thing, and it hasn't I, I been for I've a while. Just, just got employed by someone doing the same, doing that thing, so it doesn't yeah, exist, but, but in most Umbrella it... Companies, generally. Agencies, M and E agencies, are there to get you on their books. So as when a job comes in in your area, they get you on on an hourly rate, um, and they just earn off oh, the yeah. back of you. They, they don't go out and find you work. They're not interested in going out and finding you work. They get a job in. So have a client. The client goes, I need ten sparks for a job in sandwich tomorrow. Um, yeah, I need 10 sparks. And then they, it's their job to go and find the sparks. It's like this role reversal of what an agency should be. Years ago, I had a row with an agency geezer. He, he was being a bit of a dick. <laughs> well, I probably was. But I sort of read the situation as he was being a dick. I said to him, listen, you're an agent. You work for me. You work for me. I'm the, I'm the talent. I'm the skill. You go and find me a job, and then if I've got a problem, I phone I phone you and you sort it. Not you tell me, oh my timesheets, uh, I've not been paid properly. Oh yeah, go and go and speak to the go and speak to the supervisor. No bitch, you go and speak to the supervisor. What? How do you earn your money? Goes well, I go out there, I make the phone calls, and I find you to work. You don't know, you don't. So I had these. I've had this sort of. Very, very. I've not been the best of friends with agencies for for some time. I can't stand it... the majority of the fucks, to be honest. <laughs> but I do get it. Them. But I do get it. You're not going to change it because the industry. I've been bitten on my foot again. There's some fucker in here that keeps biting me. Um... <laughs> I'm near, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if Neil was under the for. table, my table would be up here. Old <laughs> Sasquatch. Um, this is the thing you're not going to change the agency industry i tried i had a like with the union and stuff i tried you're not changing that industry have that's you heard a... the latest umbrella scam have you heard, it's worth telling people this have you heard the big umbrella scam that's, that's doing the rounds no so basically they'll stick on an umbrella company which is just some bullshit, and then there was a big case if you google g4s micro umbrella what they were doing was these lads were getting the pay slips and googling the company and it was registered to two birds in the in Thailand. So they basically, you're working with someone under an umbrella that's got another umbrella. So if you have an accident at work or need some PPE, you aren't entitled to it because the company's registered in Thailand. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. The whole the whole um well it it's referred to by Unite and the and like the um Unite people as um what the fuck does they call it? Bogus, uh, bogus self-employment. 
Yeah. Because yeah. you're not self-employed. You're not um, you're not self-employed at all. You're working as an employee, but with no employee benefits. That's exactly what you're doing. And, and it's funny. I had this conversation with one of these um, company directors this week who phoned me up and said, oh, come work for me. I was like, as long as you're very aware and understand that I'm not an employee, um, I choose my own hours. I choose the way I do my own work. By law, I have to do that. He's like, oh, mate, that's not the attitude we're looking for. I was like, well, then I'm not the person. That's HMRC's attitude, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, that's what HMRC wants. Okay, I can't, I can't help you then, my man. Because, like, if you want me to work for you, I work as a subcontractor, not as an employee with no benefits. You want me to work for you, it, I don't know, it's 65 grand a year and, and 30 days holiday. No, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> well, I can't afford that, mate. Well, then you can't afford an electrician. Uh, again, it, it's, it's the same old thing. And it's it comes huge, back to no industry oversight. It's a huge problem of the skilled workforce out there. Like you said, Sam, it's already starting to happen. Craig, he's probably seen it where he's working now. He's got his new job at where we won't say the name of the company in case he doesn't want to, but he's looking after a bigger team and you're trying to build that up. There's Neil as well doing his stuff and there's loads of other people like that. And you wonder if they've been feeding into the ECA and other places like that, what's going on with the skilled workforce out there? It's costing us too much money to hire people. There's nobody to employ. And maybe they've had to start looking at the training because of that. Yeah, because they're not... Because Mark, have you got apprentices? Yeah. Craig, have you got apprentices? Yeah. I know Neil's got apprentices. I've trained two apprentices, yeah. All the big fucking boys were robbing everyone else's, weren't they? Not doing their own for years. And now it's biting on the arse. So train apprentices, you fucks. Uh, again, I agree. The The only route into the industry should be apprentices. I, I don't believe that as an adult, you can't retrain to become an electrician because I did that. But what you can't do is rely on what you can't do is be a big company and rely on sixteen-year-olds going out grafting, aren't they? Working at a pub or Tesco and saving up two and a half grand to go and spend on a level two, then getting a job and saving up to spend a level three. You should be fucking well, not you personally, but those fuckers should be training apprentices like they did traditionally before the industry to a bit of bollocks. Yeah, I agree. I think the whole thing with um, apprentices and the whole thing with um, you know sort of the route into the industry. Because years ago, there was something... What was it called? Besner. Years ago, there was something called Besner. And what they wanted to do was... Split containment. Split containment, yeah, testing. I remember that. And, and so there's massive protests all up and down the country about it. And they wanted to charge a certain rate for containment, which was about, I don't know, at the time, I think it was like £12 an hour. And then to do the the wiring of the containment was like £15 an hour, and then testing was £18 an hour, for instance. And that's what they wanted to do. And the unions were all in on it. They had all been bought off, and there was a, the EETPU or whatever it was called at the time. And they was all being like, it, it was it was signed, sealed, and delivered. But it was... The, uh, the guys on the ground that pushed back against it, they were shutting down power plants and the whole lot. And all these things sort of feed into what the problem you got now, which is great for someone like me, an all-round electrician. It's great because I'll, I'll, I've got loads of work at the moment. But the problem is 
is the electrical industry going to come to a standstill in the next 10 years? Like I said this on the pod and I said, you know what? I, I've watched this develop for 10 years and I've always thought, I'm going to make a fucking killing out of this. I'm laughing. And I said, I'm not proud of it now it's happened. I'm not proud that I'm a properly trained... I'm not proud of making a fucking fortune when people are struggling to get training and apprentices. I'm not proud of it. But there's nothing I could have done about it. You know what I mean? But I've watched it happen. There are moves to make things better now. And what Sam said before about the ECA as an example being quite close shop, I think they are changing. A lot of the initiatives you see around industry have them involved. And sometimes that's pushed back at them as like interfering mm. and manipulating stuff. But I don't think it is. I think they are genuinely trying to help. They do have that dilemma of giving value to their members. They can't go doling out all their stuff for free across industry because people are paying for it. But I do think they are trying to affect change more positively now. And another benefit the ECA have done is they've rolled out a lot of free stuff to colleges and educational establishments. So they're trying to put that back in. So like Electrical M, for example, which I, I live every day on that system and software in my job now, that's free to students and colleges. I'm a college. <laughs> well, I, well, the thing is, and I do appreciate you trying to give the positive, what I'm saying is a lot of people like me, and I, I mean this generally, got a lot of hurt, like felt shut on. And it's all right that people have moved on on that, but it did happen. But as you said earlier, Mark, you know, they just came out and said, yeah, you know what? We fucked up a bit. Then I'd probably go, yeah, but they don't. They don't want to admit the mistakes that were made. And that is annoying to a lot of people of, I would say, our generation about the trade. And That's it, fair. Yeah. don't forget, because not everyone, in fact, 1% of the electrical trade is watching these podcasts and keeping up with this kind of news and going on Twitter. The rest of them are out there feeling fucking bitter and twisted about the trade, what happened 10 years ago, and they don't know that there's people talking about this now. Don't even know the ECA are doing anything. So that's for them to deal with. Via... I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of distrust around the ECA. I mean, I dealt with them directly for a bit. I dealt with... And they were shady. When I dealt with them, they were shady. There was bungs being thrown around. Um, not to me. Well, not... <laughs> no, not really. Bitter. There was... No, there was... There was... Listen... There was things going on that wasn't kosher. Perhaps, I, perhaps I've got the wrong end of the stick, but there were things going on. There were liberties taken, and there was a lot of noses put out of joint by the incumbents at the ECA at the time. Certainly with Unite, and certainly with the people organised there, there was a lot of fuckery going on behind the scenes. And with, I've got no basis in evidence to talk about that <laughs> but what i can say is there's a from the conversations i overheard and from the conversation i was in there's a lot of distrust between some of the parties of unite and some of the some of the things going on behind the scenes there's a lot of distrust mm. and there's a lot of moves being pulled that weren't kosher according well, to the people i was talking to full disclosure Again, as well for anyone googles me um my, my firm i was an eca member for 10 years so I'm not, it's not like I'm uh, just taking the piss from the outside. I was in No, there. no, no, no. You can't be trusted. You're wrong. Bye. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. I was a paid up member for 10 years. I went to the meetings and everything. So I know it works. And I, I don't want to just be seen to be slagging them off when I've not been in. I have been in. Oh, all right, mate. Yeah, so. Cheers, mate. Yeah. I'm saying it's taking you an hour, Sam, to work out that Jamie's a wrong. <laughs> It has, it has. I'm not very like disappointed. Not <laughs> Mate, this this shed is so hot when the sun's out. It's I like... am, I'm in the same. Nah. 
You know, we've got to say though, because we are meant to be on that train, yeah. I just want to say that, you know, if you are a sparkhead and no matter how bit and twisted you are, if you get young lads coming on your site or asking you questions, it does not fucking hurt. Did it, did anyone in um, take a pill to become a, a, a sparkhead? Or did anyone watching this suddenly just wake up and be a sparkhead? Yeah? Everything you know you was taught by some fucker. So make sure you pass on that knowledge because effectively you can toss it off while you're doing it. It looks good and it's rewarding. So don't so, want to dickhead sparks. I won't tell people anything because you're an asshole. So here's something that's quite funny about that, Jamie. Um, when I when I was all mixed up in unions and started up my <laughs> own union and all that sort of stuff, I was um, I was degraded as a non-spark. I'm not a proper spark. And that was always said to me that I'm not a proper spark because I didn't do a proper apprenticeship. I didn't go from one company right the way through for four or five years and then come out and get my gold card. I wasn't. I was never accepted by the um, dickheads of the rank and file, um, unite rank and file, as as an electrician. I've never been accepted to this day. I'm not considered a elect, uh, proper electrician because I didn't do it straight from school at 16 and do a proper apprenticeship. Well, that's bollocks. But are you, would you consider yourself time served now? I don't, I don't know what that means, mate. You've been doing it a long enough time. I'm sure that was in the Jarby handbook. I'm going to go through some old handbooks. That, I'm sure that was what the term they used in the Jarby handbook when I was coming out my time. I think after, the, say... Bring, I, I think back, it used to be five back, years. Bring back time served. No, it's just a thing. It's like an aurora. It's like um, it's like voodoo. It's just I know, a thing. But I think they time classed served time served as five years. I think it was five years in industry they classed you as time served. I, See, I, feel, time I feel like that's about right. I demand the return of a to term time served electrician, i.e. someone that knows what we're doing, has been in those situations, can deliver that result. See, even, even though... Um, so what am I? I think I'm about 15 years in now, maybe more. Don't know. Can't really work it out. I'm a bit too pissed to work it out. But I'm at that stage now where even if I don't know what it is, I know enough to work it out. That's time well, served. That's it. That's what it is. You've, you've I think. I think. Well, I think we agree that if you if you come across a installation that you don't know how to do, but you can work it out, that's time served. You know what else makes time served? When you know you don't know what you're doing and you ring or seek alternative advice rather than trying to be a hero dickhead. That's time well, served. Well, <laughs> that's me every time. And that's on that, time served. And on that note, mate, I think Monday Club, we're out. Cheers, all.